You're listening to the Ready for Departure podcast, written and presented by Microlight pilot Steve Middleton. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 13 of the Ready for Departure podcast. I have to start today with a bit of an admission. It's been getting harder and harder to both come up with new ideas for podcast episodes and find the time to write and record them. Part of that has to do with a lack of flying due to poor weather and holidays away, but also, as I've not flown since my qualifying cross-country flight to sleep, I haven't done anything new for a few weeks. However, I have been wanting to feature guests on my podcast, and without further ado, I'd like to introduce this week's guest, my wife Kat. Hi Kat. Hi everyone. In episode 12, I talked about how I don't think I could have completed my flight training without the support of Kat, and how she's been there right from my first lesson. So Kat, what was it like watching me to learn to fly? Well, I think first off, early on, it was... It was quite nice because I was going down to the airfield and watching you take off and land and it was summer so it was sunny and then the winter came around and it was cold and it was wet and I'm stood there filming you landing and having fun while I'm freezing. Um, So it it has its ups and downs, yeah. (laughs) I, I did feel guilty afterwards, not during the flying but when you told me about it when you told me about how cold your hands were when we got back in the car I did feel guilty but it never stopped me going next week to the next lesson quite right too I think uh, one of the things that I would say is that obviously it would have been very easy for me to stay at home it would have been quite nice in some ways to sort of wave you off goodbye send you on your way have a great time and then for me to be nice and warm but the thing was that First of all, I felt it was really important that I supported you because I knew that things weren't always going to go well. And secondly, actually, it's quite nice being at the airfield, especially when the weather's good, because you see aircraft moving around, you see other people taking off and landing. It's quite interesting. It's actually quite relaxing. Uh, I think my one piece of advice to anybody who has a a friend or a family member who's learning to fly is to get a radio receiver because, first of all, it makes it a lot more interesting being able to listen to what's going on. Secondly, you get to kind of keep track of what's going on. You also get to pick up some of the lingo. So all those times when you came back from a flight and you were talking about overheads and downwinds (laughs) and go-arounds, Um, It all made a bit more sense to me because these were the things I was hearing on the radio. Um, So, yeah, and and obviously it it does make it more interesting if you can hear what's going on. I think I certainly appreciated the fact that you came with me and and you supported me. But, of course, later in my flying, you you stopped coming because I wasn't doing circuits anymore and I was going off and disappearing for an hour or maybe two hours. So there wouldn't really be anything for you to see. But I think in those, those early lessons, I really did appreciate that support. But were you ever worried um, yeah, was I ever worried? Um, actually, I would say that the one and only time that I was worried that I was sat at home and going about my normal day-to-day things, thinking about where you were and what you were doing, I'd say the only time that I ever worried was that last qualifying cross-country to sleep. To sleep, down the low-level corridor. Down the low-level corridor. Um, I That was the, the only time that the thought occurred to me that... You might have a problem and need to land the aircraft in a field or end up getting lost. 
Um, <laughs> you're laughing because you crap at navigation. This is true. <laughs> um, but that was the only time that I worried. And it's ironic, really, because I think about all of the other things that you did and the first time that you went off solo and I didn't worry and, I, and the first time you landed on your own and I didn't worry. And, um, yeah, that was the first time that I worried was actually right towards the end of your training, um, which I think is quite ironic. It, it is, I suppose. And I, I wasn't actually nervous during my first solo. I actually felt I was ready for it and just wanted to get on with it. But I admit that I was nervous before both my qualifying cross-country flights, especially the slate one. I remember you were, yeah. <laughs> so what did you think when I actually did eventually qualify? Uh, well, actually, do you know, it's interesting that you should ask that question because obviously there's so much involved in becoming qualified so you know all those exams that you passed um all of the classroom training that you did um all of those landmarks where you know it was your first takeoff your first landing your first solo circuit your first solo away your first cross country all those things every time you achieved something i felt really really proud thanks um and actually when you finally qualified that final cross country to to sleep, um, I actually didn't feel nearly as proud as I did all of the previous times. And I think it's just because I knew that was just the last step and there'd been so many steps to get there. It was almost like an anticlimax. Yeah, and it, it was it was so long coming as well because obviously um, I'm sure your listeners know because you've mentioned this in podca- previous podcasts that you know you had so many disappointments or so many times um sort of leading up to that those final qualifying cross countries where the conditions weren't quite right. That's right and then you know one of your airfields wasn't open and things like that and and it just seemed to be a bit of a case of more oh, <laughs> at last rather than it being yes we've done it so yeah it, it's funny that that when you actually qualified it was more relief than pride but Obviously, I was very proud of you all of the times that you'd actually um, achieved one of those little small steps. And I think my friends and family will acknowledge that when I'm telling them that you're now a qualified pilot, I am very, very proud. I must admit, there's nothing better than saying to someone, I am a pilot. Um, But did you ever think that I wouldn't become a pilot? Did you ever think that I wouldn't finish, that I would give up and wouldn't or even just wouldn't qualify? Yeah, I um, I don't think there was ever a point when I thought you couldn't do it. Um, I don't think there was ever really a point when I thought you wouldn't do it either. But you and I both know people who have um, partially qualified. They've, they've done some flying in light aircraft. They've yep. done some exams and then haven't completed their training. I think following what you've done, watching you learn... I understand why people stop. Absolutely. And I think it's one of those things, actually, that people should perhaps prepare themselves for, steal themselves for, is that, you know, there's there's so many times when, um, especially in the UK, because the weather is so changeable and it's so unpredictable, um, you know, there were big chunks of time that you went without flying and there were big chunks of time where you went where every single lesson had to be rearranged. Yeah. Um, so while you were flying, it was always a, a bit of an uphill battle sometimes to actually get that the lesson. The plan changed, didn't it? So the I thought I was going to do one thing and then it turned out I couldn't do that for whatever reason. So we yeah. had to do another lesson. So it wasn't as structured. Those bits weren't as structured as the way I would have preferred it. 
Yeah, so I think while I never thought you wouldn't do it, I can understand why people stop and I can understand why people don't complete the training. So with all that in mind, are you now looking forward to actually going flying with me? I have waited to go flying with you for two years. I am still waiting to go flying with you because you still haven't got that piece of paper from the CAA. Not yet. Um, I'm desperate to go flying with you and um, I'm absolutely certain that I will enjoy the experience because lots of people have asked me, you know, are you looking forward to it? Are you not nervous about flying in this very small aircraft? Uh, Do you trust Steve? And I I absolutely trust you. Um, Not least of which because if you smack that aircraft into the ground... At least we'll both be. <laughs> it's gonna hurt. I don't like. I don't like pain. Let, let's let's not do that. And I don't think the the owner of the flying school would appreciate me breaking his aeroplane either. He definitely no. won't let me fly another one if I do. No. So so maybe so let's, let's not, not do, do that. that. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I am. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm very excited about taking that first flight. And um, and what in particular are you looking forward to? I mean, you know, where do you want to go? Well, I think the the thing that I'm most looking forward to is um, actually the takeoff because I have seen so many aircraft take off and so many aircraft land as well for that matter. But I've seen so many aircraft take off at Barton. I've seen you take off so many times and I've seen Eurostars take off so many times. Um, you know, I'm really quite excited about that because I know that that's one of the things that makes the Eurostar a little bit special because it's a bit of a faster takeoff. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, so that, that's one of the things that I'm particularly looking forward to. And the other thing is, um, just to let your listeners know, I used to work for the highways agency. I was a contractor for the highways agency. So I know the Area 10, sorry, Northwest Area <laughs> Network really, really well. Um, so actually, of all of the things that I want to do, the places that we could go, I just want you to fly me over motorways. <laughs> well, that's great. That makes my life really easy because following motorways makes navigation really, really easy. And as you know, I am crap at navigating. And that's why sometimes it's good to have a second set of eyes looking out at the aircraft and looking at the map. So if all we're going to do is follow motorways, well, that's really easy flying for me. So so I'm well, happy. Maybe we'll do some other things as well. Yeah. But let's let's let me look at motorways first. Okay. Know? Well, hopefully I'll be flying tomorrow certainly over the weekend and if I do I'll be flying on my own unfortunately because I still don't have my license yet so I've still got to wait for that to come through but I'm going to fly a route that we will then fly together so I'm going to fly over some motorways tomorrow and then I'll fly the same route with you and we'll see what it looks like yay (laughs) so do you think learning to fly is a good idea yeah um I I think that first of all the the first trial flight that I bought for you because I bought that. I, I did that. You did. Um, and then I encouraged you to carry on flying. So, you know, this is really all on me. But um, that first trial flight that I got for you, I think that's a really great gift. If it you've got somebody, was. yeah, if you've got somebody in your family, somebody in your life, it's quite expensive. Yes. But actually, it, it is genuinely a really great gift because... Even if you only fly, even if that person only flies once, um, I think the experience of doing that is amazing. Um, and I think looking at what you've been doing now, you you know you've you've got this great experience. You've got this great thing that you can say you can do. Um, yeah. 
you love doing it. You, I do. When you have a, a good flight, when you're able to go and you get up and what have you, you know, you come back and you're absolutely buzzing. And not just that, actually, you've got a really good community of friends around you now. All those people that you've met because of flying. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that's quite special. So, you know, if you're somebody who you've had an ambition that you, you've always fancied it and you've never really been able to justify the cost... There are more cost-effective ways to do it. You don't have to go for, you know, full commercial licenses and things like that that cost hundreds of thousands of pounds. Um, the microlight is a really good way to learn. You can learn it in a fixed-wing microlight. It doesn't have to be the thing that looks like a kite with an engine underneath. Flex-wing, you mean? I'm sorry, flex-wing <laughs> um, pilots. Um, but um, you know, there are more effective, more cost-effective ways to fly. And actually, this I think has been really worth the expense uh, and really worth the time. I think uh, you mentioned the trial flight and I, rem- I still remember two years ago, I still remember my trial flight because I remember that I'd had a trial flight in a bigger aircraft and enjoyed it, but not enough for me to immediately start to do lessons and then did the trial flight in a micro light and absolutely loved it and could not wait to get it back. So for me, that was just a terrific experience and actually apart from some of the really difficult lessons every time I've flown now I've absolutely loved it and the time passes so quickly while I'm flying you think was that that was an hour how could that have possibly been an hour um I just love it to bits what was it like having to deal with sulky Steve though when lessons got cancelled and lessons didn't go as well and um how did you feel when that happened yeah, I uh, there were there were obviously lots and lots of times when you came home from a flight and you were really happy and really um, buzzing. Like I say, you were um, sort of bouncing off the walls almost. But there were also obviously all those times when either it didn't go very well and you were a bit sort of down on yourself about what happened or it had ended up getting cancelled so you'd have this wasted journey to the airfield. You know, um, and there were quite a few of those times. And, and the thing was that... Um, it was usually a case of just me reassuring you and reminding you that, you know, everything was okay. Hmm. Um, because invariably it was something like, you know, the, you. I remember the time when you did the first navigation exercise oh, God, with yeah. Marcus, with your instructor. Um, I remember that first time because you came back and you said, oh, it was awful. Can't do uh, this. I can't do it. And, um, you know, I couldn't... Marcus kept asking me where I was <laughs> and I didn't know where I was. And this is navigation and how can I not know where I was? And um, I just had to remind you, you know, think back to when you were first learning and you were saying that you would never get landings and how many landings have you done since then? Oh, I haven't counted. I have no idea. You know, remember back to the time when you were saying that you were never going to be able to go so it felt like this was so far out of your reach yeah you know but you went solo I did so you know that time when you came back and you'd had this this first navigation exercise and thought it was completely beyond you and there I was saying to you it's fine you remember you've been here before and everything was okay and obviously the other side of it is those times when a lesson got cancelled and you hadn't flown for two weeks and you were really disappointed you know and it's like just have a look book another lesson, it'll be fine, let's look at the weather. So I've always kind of shared that journey with you and tried to remind you of these things that that feel 
so distant to you when when it's you that's depressed because yeah. you can't fly. <laughs> I mean, depressed is a bit far, but I definitely sulked. I think you, you did sulk a little bit, yeah. but you know it wasn't as bad as you you think it was. Um, well, that's and good. As for what it felt like to me, I mean, you know, obviously this was seeing all of that disruption to you was bad enough, but actually it disrupted our whole lives. Yes. Um, sometimes it disrupted our whole lives because it was, you know, um, getting up first thing on a, a Saturday morning and you planning a flight fly. and spending hours planning your flight and then not going. Yes. Um, and, you know, then it's me that's having to do all of the things that we normally do together in the morning, having to do them on my own, like taking the dog for a walk. Yeah. Um, and then having have it not come off and then you rearrange it for the afternoon because fog's cleared in the afternoon or something like that you know so it was really disruptive for me as well as disruptive for you and there were times when I was actually quite pissed off (laughs) I'll be completely honest there were times when I was pissed off but there were also times when I was really a little bit happy that you weren't flying because I remember one particular occasion when I was singing in a concert and it was either me going to get the tram to get to the rehearsal venue That's for the afternoon right. rehearsal because you were flying or you not flying and taking me in the car. That's right. And I, I actually remember. was really quite poorly. And if you remember, your flying lesson was cancelled. So you took me in the car. <laughs> so I can't say I was unhappy about that. So it, there's, there's lots of ups and downs. Well, obviously I'm there now. I've qualified now. So licence hopefully will be in my hands in a couple of weeks and I get to enjoy it. But do you think that I'll ever get bored with it and do you think you'll ever get bored with it? I don't think that... I can't imagine you getting bored with it. No, I can't either. I think that that the thing is when you've done some flights with me and you've taken your mum up because she's second in the queue. She is. Your dad up because he's third Third in in the the queue. queue. Um, That fella that took you on a helicopter flight, he's next in the queue. My colleague at work who did some plastering for us is probably somewhere else in that queue indeed so um once you've chewed through your queue of people that you want to fly with and and you've done some more flights on your own because i know you intend to do that um you know perhaps then you might start thinking well what's next where do i go where do i go and there's so many places that you can go there's the so many places we can go wherever we want exactly and obviously um i'm sure your listeners aren't aware but my family live quite a long way away they live nearly 300 miles away in scotland and i have other family that's almost that f- far away in scotland and we have friends dotted around as well so mm-hmm. it's part of the the sort of long-term plan that perhaps we might do some flights to some of these far distant places that'd be great so you know i don't i can't imagine you getting bored with it and I think if you do start to get bored with it, well, there's always another aircraft you can That's right. look at. Yeah. You know, because obviously we've we've talked about you doing differences training so that you can fly the Icarus as well. Yeah. Which, by the way, means I won't have a step to get into your aircraft, which I currently will have to for the Eurostar because I have very, very short legs. For those that don't know, the Eurostar is a low wing aircraft, which means actually climbing on the wing to, to get in the Eurostar whereas the Icarus is uh, is a high wing uh, and it's a bit like getting in a car. So you should should have no problems with the Icarus. Yeah, um, I hope so. Yeah, that should be fun. So I've spent almost £10,000 on flying. What do you think about that? I, I don't think you're ever going to be allowed to complain about the amount of money I spend on singing no. or possibly even crafting items. No. Um, to be fair, though, I don't think I have up till now. <laughs> you haven't, no. it's true. I uh, I have to say I think when when you first embarked on this I knew this was going to be expensive and 
I think one of the the things that makes it particularly financially challenging is not the actual cost. It's not the cost of the flights because um, the flight costs what it costs. The training costs what it costs. The exams cost what they cost. The equipment does. So it's not that that actually has been the financial challenge. I think the financial challenge has been managing those costs because obviously you've spoken before and we've already spoken on this podcast about um you know having those lessons cancelled and having to rearrange them and one of the things that i would advise to anyone who is either learning to fly or thinking to learn thinking of learning to fly is you know plan to fly every week absolutely plan to fly every single time that you possibly can because you can you can book a lesson every week for six weeks and cancel the ones that you end up not wanting to use or not being able to use yeah whereas if you haven't planned those in and something gets cancelled, it's much more difficult to then rearrange and book something else. That's right. Sort of instructor availability and and aircraft availability means that not only do you get cancelled when the weather's bad, but everybody gets cancelled and everybody wants those slots and there's a mad scramble for any slot that might be free. Um, I was at the airport today and uh, a new person came in to learn to fly and he was told that he couldn't book a lesson until August because of instructor availability. So I think that's good advice that I would say just fly whenever you can. Sometimes you might fly two or maybe three times a week. You might fly every day of the week if you can afford it and the weather's good, but there's going to be other those weeks where you don't fly at all. And it might be two or even three weeks on the bounce where you don't fly at all. I think actually going on to that, one of the things that was the one of the best things you did was when you did a block booking of hours. Yes. Um, so your training school allows you to do a block booking of 10 hours, I think it is. Which you put on a credit card. You get a small um, discount for it. so yeah. But then it takes the pressure off because you know that you've got those lessons in the bag and you can fly them whenever you want. So you don't have to space them out and fly once a week or once a fortnight. You can fly three in a week if you want and then only fly once next week or none at all. And the progress you made when you were doing that was incredible. That was when you were building up to your first solo and you went from... You know, we had that was during the summer last summer and we went over quite a long period where um, the weather was pretty poor and you um, had so many cancellations and it just felt like you were, you know, two steps forward, three steps back trying to get this first solo in. Um, because every time you flew, you were having to relearn things you'd already done. And then you did this slot booking and the weather cleared up a little bit and you were able to just bang in. I think there was one week where you flew almost every day that week. And the progress you made in that week was more progress than you'd made in the previous six to seven months. Um, So actually, if you're in a position either to use something like, you know, credit card or or, um, perhaps even a loan, if that suits you better financially, so that you can block book hours for flying, I think that is absolutely the best thing that you can do because this is just not the kind of thing where you can say, I'm going to fly every two weeks or I'm going to fly every three weeks. It's just not going to work, is it? I do remember having that conversation where where I suggested that you should fly once every three weeks because I'm thinking about the crying in my bank account. Um, So any regrets? um, Any regrets? No, I don't think so. I don't think that I can have regrets when I am basically, as I discussed earlier, the person who got you into this. Um, you know, I basically have only myself to blame. And I think, you know, what you've got out of this is so much more than what it's cost. Because at the end of the day, 
it's just money it's just time it's just a bit of disruption to you your um, normal sort of day-to-day life and then what you can potentially get out of it going forward is so great as well you know um like i say you've got um this thing that you can do um you've got this qualification you can you're in a position now where if you want to go flying you can go flying um it's gonna cost less now you're not having to pay an instructor hooray um but you know you've also got this this group of friends around you now as well which is um I think really worthwhile. I think anything anything where you, you end up being part of a community or part of a group of people who are like-minded, who have that same passion, um, you know, because being in a choir, I have that. Um, I think it's really worthwhile. Yeah, I've, I, that was an extra benefit. I didn't realise I was going to get out of it, but I've met a great bunch of people. An extra thing that's happened that I wasn't expecting. But yeah, I, I don't think I have any regrets. Maybe my bank bank manager might have a few regrets. Um, but you know what? It, it's only money. And that's it now. Like I say, it costs a little bit less. So, um, you know, those times when we put things on credit cards, like blocked book lessons, <laughs> can get paid off. Indeed. And uh, it, it's fine. It, it's not a big deal. But you're never allowed to complain about the money I spend on singing now. I won't. And that's it for this episode of the Ready for Departure podcast. I hope you found this topic interesting. And a huge thank you to Kat for joining me in the podcast fund this week. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to guest on the next Ready for Departure podcast, do let me know via email, Twitter or Facebook. Details are on the website. Safe flying and don't forget to join me for more podcast episodes. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Ready for Departure podcast. Music was by Josh Woodward and Chris Zabriskie. You can find out more and get in touch at readyfordeparture.uk.